This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Liam. And I'm Jackie. Today's case that we're going to discuss is a continuation of the last episode that we released about the Zombie Hunter episode. So if you haven't listened to the episode that we released called Zombie Hunter, I urge you to go back and listen to it first so then you understand the content of this episode a lot better. Otherwise, you might be a little lost. These two young women that went missing in the Phoenix, Arizona area have been linked to the serial killer Brian Patrick Miller. Though he has not been convicted of their kidnappings and murders, evidence strongly supports the theory that both women were victims of the zombie hunter. This is the case of Brandy Myers and Adrian Salinas. On May 26, 1992, Brandy Myers was out walking through her neighborhood near 51st Street and Hatcher in Phoenix, Arizona, which is kind of close to the canal Mm. where the other murders had happened um, in the previous episode. She was going door to door to collect pledges for her school's readathon. She was in the sixth grade at Sunny Slope Elementary School and was a very bright, bubbly 13-year-old girl. Brandy was walking with a friend, but they had decided to split up and go their separate ways to try to cover more ground because it was starting to get late. Around 8 p.m., Brandy was last seen walking towards the residence of Brian Patrick Miller. She had no way to know what lurked behind his apartment door, and she was never heard from or seen again. When Brandy didn't return home from going door to door, her parents were immediately concerned and called authorities because she was only 13. A search quickly commenced, and the next day, while searching for Brandy Meyer's body, authorities found the body of an unidentified teenager in the Central Arizona Project Canal. This body was proven not to be Brandy Meyer's and wouldn't actually be identified until 2011 as 16-year-old Shannon Amick who had been reported missing about eight weeks prior. This young woman is speculated to have possibly been a a victim of Brian Miller, but her name didn't come up in any of the research that I found when people were kind of listing women that they believed were also victims of Brian Miller. So I'm going to speculate that it's very likely that Shannon was a victim, given the location where she was found, and Mm -hmm. she was last seen walking alone late at night along the canal, and that very much fits what his like mo was he for sure would single out women that were walking alone and he favored women near the canal because it was and easy. younger women yes it was easy to kind of take advantage of them but there's little information about shannon and her cause of death so i'm not going to elaborate too much on her case an extensive search continued to find brandy myers but a body has never been found and brandy has never been heard from since The reason why so many people believe that Brandy could have been one of Brian Miller's early victims is because the opportunity was there. Yeah. Brian Miller only lived a few blocks from Brandy's house. Every day when Brandy and her sister, Kristen, would walk to school, they would walk exactly right by his house. Just like the other Phoenix Canal murders of Angela Brosso and Melanie Burness, this crime happened at night when Brandy was alone. The only difference is that a body's never been found. Well, and he admitted multiple times that he would go walking and riding Mm -hmm. a bike at night. At night, yep. And in the area. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's putting himself there. Pretty much. The only difference is that with Angela Brosso and Melanie Burnus, their bodies were found the very next day. Mm -hmm. So, for Brandy, they've never found her body. Yeah. Brandy Myers' disappearance happened six months before the murder of Angela Brosso. 
When Brian Miller was arrested in 2015 for the murders of Angela Broso and Melanie Burness, Brandy Meyer's younger sister, Kristen, very quickly started petitioning to have Miller charged for Brandy's murder. But there was no evidence directly linking Brian Miller to the murder of Brandy. But authorities do seem convinced that Brandy could have been a victim of Brian. So there are a few reasons that kind of convinced them of this. The first reason is that they now know that Brian Miller was an opportunistic killer. What this means is that when the opportunity arose for Miller to commit a murder, he took that opportunity. It's almost as though he couldn't contain. Yes, he could not help himself. He would wait for his victims to be alone. He would attack them without any warning. Brandy Myers was alone when she approached Miller's house that night, giving him the perfect opportunity to attack. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but she's small. Yeah, she's like 13. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's easy. It's an easy target for him. The second reason that lead authorities to believe that Brian Miller murdered Brandy Myers is because of how closely Brandy lived in correlation to the other victims. Angela Brosseau and Melanie Burness. All three girls lived only a few blocks from each other, and they all lived closely to where Brian Miller lived. It's literally just like a square mm-hmm. where they all are. The nature of Brandy's disappearance and her close proximity to the other murders further proves that there is a strong link. Well, and what is the likelihood of there being two killers? Exactly. In that in small, that of, an small area. of an area. Yeah. A final reason is that Brian Miller's ex-wife came forward shortly after he was arrested, and she claimed that Miller confessed to her about killing Brandy Myers when she was going door-to-door for her readathon. He stated to his wife that in 1992, he heard a knock on the door. When he opened the door, he saw Brandy Myers standing there, and he impulsively grabbed her and drug her into the house. He then proceeded to repeatedly stab her, before dismembering her body in the tub and disposing of the body parts in a nearby recycling center. Authorities called Kristen and told her that they know Miller killed her younger sister, Brandy, and that they even know the color of the bag that Miller disposed of her body in. But even with all of this information, there's no physical evidence tying Miller to this murder, and he refuses to admit it. Mm -hmm. So as of right now, Brandy Myers' case is considered resolved, but unsolved. This oh. means that it has most likely been determined who has murdered Brandy, but they cannot convict the murderer. I've literally never heard that before. Me either. Apparently, though, it's it's a thing. If they have enough, in a way, circumstantial evidence, mm-hmm. they can kind of put the cold case to rest, but it's not considered completely That's sad, though, because you're solved. not getting the no justification and the closure yeah so for Kristen, she agrees that this will never be enough the idea that brian miller is the main suspect in brandy's murder but can't be held accountable for her murder isn't enough brandy myers would be 44 now and she's missed every day by her family her younger sister Kristen, is continuing to fight and petition to have brian miller be convicted for her sister's murder But until more evidence becomes available or until Brian Miller decides to confess, it's very unlikely that he'll ever be convicted. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to fast forward to June 15th, 2013, when 19-year-old Adrian Salinas is reported missing by her father. On the night of June 14th, 2013, Adrian Salinas and her roommates decided to throw a party at their apartment. They invited some friends, and it wasn't a a rager by any means, but it was one of those fun little apartment parties that can sometimes be a little loud and lots of people are filtering Mm -hmm. in and out. During the party, Adrian and her longtime boyfriend, Francisco Artiega, got into an argument, and they decided to leave the party at about 2.30 a.m. together. 
just to clarify, when I say longtime boyfriend, Adrian and Francisco met in the eighth grade, and they had continuously been on and off again for six to seven years. Oh, wow. So it was that very typical high school romance that kind of continues into the college years, but you're not really sure if you want to stay together, yeah. but you don't want to branch out to try to date someone else. Mm-hmm. After they it's left. comfortable. <laughs> yes. After they left the party, they decided to try and go back to Francisco's apartment in Scottsdale, Arizona, to talk and try to resolve their argument. So his apartment from her apartment was about 30 minutes. Oh, okay. 30 to 45. Ultimately, Adrian did not accompany Francisco back to his apartment, and he left the party to head home. Mm. It was around 3 a.m. when Francisco left Adrian's apartment, and that was the last time that he had seen her. There is not a lot of information out there regarding what their argument was about, but it's speculated that Adrian found Francisco talking to another girl, and at the time of her disappearance, Adrian and Francisco, they weren't completely dating. They were having kind of one of their off-again moments. So, again, typical teenage romance. I don't think there's much to read into about their fight, but it was it brought up quite a bit in the research that I yeah. did that they were having one of their little spats. Adrian stayed at her apartment, mostly in her room, and the party was still going, but it was starting to dwindle down. It was a little while later that Adrian decided she wanted to drive to Francisco's apartment and stay the night to try and smooth things over. She at like three in the morning. Like, yeah. That's like what? Right. Well, <clears throat> I'm willing to guess that she probably had been drinking, so well, that and it's like, girl, go to sleep. Right. Deal with it in the Just morning. Just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> she packed an overnight bag and she was seen by her roommates leaving the apartment again around 3.45 a.m. There's a lot happening here in a pretty short time frame. Adrian and Francisco left the apartment first at 2.30 to go to his apartment. But just Adrian arrived back to her apartment around 3.00. Then she decided again about 3.45 to leave, and that's when her roommate saw her leave. Mm-hmm. Though it's not directly stated she had been drinking, she was at a party, she was seen drinking. I'm sure that some alcohol consumption played a role in her emotional state. I'm sure. I can only imagine that in her mind she's thinking it sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Shortly after Adrian had left her apartment, she drove her car, and she ended up driving it into a curb. And she flattened both tires on the driver's side. Oh, wow. She tried to leave the scene of the crash, and she was able to drive her car a little further before she abandoned it on a street near her apartment. Wow. She ended up walking back to her apartment, was seen by her roommates coming back in. She changed her clothes, and then she left again. But nobody saw what time she left for good that evening, but it is the last time that anybody saw her alive. That's wild. Yeah. The following day was Father's Day. Adrian had plans to go to her father's house and meet him and her brother there to spend the day together. When none of her roommates had heard from her and she didn't answer any of her father's phone calls, Adrian's father knew right away that something was wrong and reported her missing. She was very close to her dad and she was very close to her brother. Her mom and dad had separated when she was very young and her dad took on the role of caretaker. So they had a very tight connection so her not answering his calls and not showing up for father's day was a big red flag immediately authorities started looking into the last known whereabouts of adrian and started putting together a timeline from the night before investigators quickly found adrian's car abandoned and reported that someone had called authorities and reported that somebody had crashed their car into the median 
and drove away from the scene. So when she crashed her car into the curb, someone had called in and reported, oh, we just saw somebody crash their car, but they drove away. You might want to send somebody out here to see if they're okay. Yeah. This confirmed that Adrian had abandoned her car and came back to the apartment before leaving on foot again. Adrian left her keys and her purse behind at her apartment, which was very unusual. She had her phone, and according to the records, she had called Francisco 11 times from 4.10 a.m. and 4.45 a.m. and had texted him to let him know that she was planning on coming over. At 4.53 a.m., Adrian had spoken with a cab driver to arrange getting picked up near the a.m. p.m. convenience store not far from her apartment. Which is weird. Why wouldn't you just have him pick you up at your house? At your apartment. apartment. Right. The cab driver had shown up and called Adrian to let her know that he was waiting for her, but Adrian never made it to the cab. Phone records show that 14 minutes after the initial phone call with the cab driver, Adrian's phone had shut off at 5.07 a.m. So she got the call. She answered it. She told him she was coming to where he said he was parked, but then she never showed up to his cab. Wow. And then her phone was off. That's like such a short period of time. Yeah. Surveillance footage picked up a woman that resembled Adrian walking through an O'Reilly's Auto Parts parking lot, seemingly on her way to the cab that was waiting for her. And then you can see a four-door car driving through the same parking lot just a couple minutes later, but it's never been identified. It was too dark. Wow. Investigators interviewed the cab driver and Francisco to eliminate them as suspects, and ultimately they were cleared of any suspicion. It wouldn't be until July of 2013, about a month after Adrian went missing, that heavy rainfall in Arizona turned canals, washes, and riverbeds into raging rivers of mud. So I'm not, obviously, I'm from Ohio. We don't have that. When it rains a lot here, the ground's just really wet. You get a little bit of flooding. But apparently out west, Mm -hmm. when it rains a lot, they have mudslides. Yep. So I lived in California, and it's no joke. (laughs) August 9th, 2013, Dan Kelly, an Apache Junction resident, was checking his property when he saw vultures flying overhead and circling, which indicated that something was dead. Dan Kelly lived near Weeks Wash, and it was there that he had discovered the decomposing body of Adrian Salinas. At first, her remains were not positively identified until DNA evidence was used to confirm that it was, in fact, her. She was found roughly 30 miles away from where she originally had vanished. Though her body was found near Weeks Wash, investigators were fairly certain that her body had originally been dumped elsewhere, and after the heavy rainfall flooded a lot of the canals and water channels, her body drifted to the location where she was found. Mm -hmm. The autopsy results that were released were very limited with the amount of information revealed to the public. There has been no definite cause of death listed for Adrian, considering that her body was found fairly decomposed. She was exposed to the elements in Arizona in the hottest days of the summer and could have likely been scavenged by animals. One bit of information that was interesting to investigators, though, is that Adrian Salinas had been decapitated. Oh, wow. Ultimately, she was positively identified from DNA, not dental records. This was a possible link to Brian Miller because of the murders where both women were decapitated. Mm -hmm. As information came out about Adrian's murder and disappearance, A former friend of Brian Miller's came forward with some shocking information. Keen Azari, who had been friends with Miller through that whole steampunk cosplay world, 
noticed that Brian Miller had attended a party the same night as Adrian's disappearance, less than a mile from Adrian's apartment. Oh, man. After Brian Miller was arrested for the murders of Angela Brosso and Melanie Burness, Keen Azari contacted authorities with the suspicion that Miller could have also been responsible for Adrian's death. Keen had stated that Miller had left the party around the same time that Adrian would have been walking to the convenience store to get a ride from the cab, and was also discussing with friends that he was planning on taking a hike the next morning. This information led Keen to believe that Brian Miller's zombie hunter vehicle was the dark four-door vehicle seen on surveillance that could have been involved in Adrian Salinas' disappearance. In the last episode that we initially covered this case, Jackie, you'd mentioned that you wondered if Brian Miller ever used his zombie hunter car Mm -hmm. as a way to lure victims in Mm -hmm. because it was like a souped up police car. It was a Crown Vic that looked very similar to a police car. At night in the dark, it would have been really difficult for her to tell the difference and she was impaired by alcohol. Yeah. So going back to what you said before, I think that he probably did use his car as a ruse. Well, and also if you think about it, like an old older cab mm-hmm. also looks similar it to does that. yeah that's true so i didn't think about if that she it's dark she's drunk she could have easily thought that was a cab yeah and not thought about it honestly because nowadays especially nowadays cabs are not your typical new york cab with the sign on the top it's, that says mm-hmm. taxi like they can be really any type of car that has a cab you know local or not local what's a logo on the side mm-hmm. or whatever yeah so she could have easily thought it was a cab. Yeah. And he's, when you see pictures of him, he doesn't, he obviously doesn't look like a killer. He looks just like a very nice male. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was very easy for her to let her guard down. And that's what caused her to potentially be kidnapped by for sure. Brian Miller. And he could have been, like you said, impersonating a cab, the cab driver or a police officer. But either way, it's very heavily speculated that he's the one that drove by her and she ended up getting into a car with him. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's so close to where the cab driver said. Within miles. Yeah. yeah. So she could have easily been like, oh, maybe the cab driver just mm-hmm. like drove towards me. Or, you know, I could easily see her thinking, oh, this is a cab or, or a police officer yeah. or, you know, whatever, because. And she'd been drink, had been drinking and that does dull your senses. It's for sure. very possible that she. I mean, she wasn't in her right mind, so and she probably wouldn't have second guessed if he said, "Oh, I'm your I'm your cab driver." Yep. Okay, cool. And it was he's an opportunistic killer, and this Mm -hmm. was an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it was very easy for him to explain to her and make it seem like, "Yeah, you can get in my car. Mm -hmm. You're totally fine." For sure. Even though Brian Miller has been convicted and sentenced to death for the murders of Angela Brosso and Melanie Burness, it seems very unlikely that he will formally be linked to the deaths of Brandy Myers and Adrian Salinas. Which makes me think, I'm wondering if he's not confessing to these other killer or other murders because he's worried. Cause, okay, so a long, long time ago, I did a research paper on the death penalty and it ends up costing more than them staying in prison the rest of their life because of the amount of times that it's mm-hmm. overturned and has to be looked at because we have to be a thousand percent sure that these people did what they said they did because mm-hmm. if we accidentally kill someone that's obviously not a good right look okay so i'm wondering if he's not confessing to these because he doesn't want his death to be processed faster you know what i'm saying that's true because the more you have on you the less 
easier it is for us to kill you pretty much. You right. know what I mean? You've kind of you exhaust any appeals or being able to mm-hmm. overturn anything. I wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me in the least if that's why he's just keeping being very tight lipped about it. Mm-hmm. I wanna mention the occurrence he had when he lived in Washington where he stabbed a woman named Melissa Ruiz Ramirez in the back and he wasn't charged for any of it. So he's very good at Talking his way Talking out of it. Talking his way out of it, being tight-lipped. And unfortunately, he's really good at kind of covering his tracks to mm-hmm. not be formally linked to any of this. Yeah. It's possible that there could be victims from when he lived in Washington. Nothing's come out, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's also possible that there are more victims from when he lived in Phoenix. Well, and just because, like, there could be more missing women and they've never been found. Mm-hmm. Which would lead to, he easily could have more victims. Yeah. You know, especially in the, um, you said Washington, right? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, in the Washington area with all those mountains and oh, yeah. the ocean. Mm-hmm. And, and Lots of opportunity there. Yeah, unfortunately, there is. Yeah. So, it, I would say a lot easier. Granted, the desert. Easy know, to, right. Yeah, so I mean, like, he lived in two spots that have a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. for hiding a murder yep and i do want to point out as well that some people speculated the fact that angela and melanie's bodies they were not concealed they were easily found and it's believed that he wanted them to be found but i think because of the heat that kind of came back on him after those bodies were found i do think it made him a little bit more conscious of i don't need to leave the bodies out here in the open i need to make sure that i'm disposing of them and adria and selena she was only found because of that heavy rainfall she probably never would have been found Mm -hmm. if her body had not been transported yeah two weeks wash you know they always say serial killers progress Mm -hmm. and get worse and worse and so i mean he easily could be getting he could have been getting worse and then him messing up or progressing i guess you could say is what got him caught. So, yeah. I don't, you know, he easily could have. Well, I think he escalated as time went on after Angela and Melanie, but he was living in Washington. So he, there could have been murders that took place in Washington. And then when he was starting to get looked at because he stabbed that woman in the back, there's that question of, well, I don't want to be looked at too harshly. I don't want to mm-hmm. be looked into too much. So I need to get back to mm-hmm. Phoenix. Yeah. Regardless these two young women lost their lives tragically and much too soon. Adrian Salinas' father, Rick Salinas, is still very actively involved in having Adrian's murder solved. There is a $20,000 reward still being offered up for anyone that can help lead investigators to solving Adrian's murder. In interviews that her father, Rick, has done, he has not come out and said that he believes it was Brian Patrick Miller that murdered his daughter, but he also is not willing to completely say no it wasn't him yeah there's evidence that proves it could be him but there's not enough evidence to prove that it could be him so as a father i get it he doesn't want to say one way or the other because he just wants quit searching yeah Yeah. he wants he i like for what i would say is he probably doesn't want to say yes or no to anything because if it isn't Mm -hmm. they're gonna stop looking or you know like if they if he's convicted without being convicted yep then they're gonna stop looking and if it's not actually him 
then it'll never be. It's like you wasted all that time and resources. And obviously time is not money, but time is time. Like you have to get crap going with cold cases, murders in general, any crime, you have to get things going because if you don't, the more evidence you lose, the more people forget things Mm -hmm. or pass away or, you know, anything. Yeah. It's just time is everything when it comes to crime, obviously. So as of today in the fall of 2023, it seems very unlikely that any additional evidence will come to light causing Miller to be convicted of these murders. Brandy Meyer's younger sister, Kristen, she's still actively trying to find more evidence. She has petitions out that she's trying to get people to sign that will officially link Brian Miller to Brandy's death. But I don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, we always hear about how serial killers on death row reveal details about their murders and crimes to investigators in order to prolong their execution date. Which, actually, I didn't even think about that until you just said that because you're right, he could wait till it's finally mm-hmm. time and then he'll be like, oh, 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 oh I have well, all more information. Well, that's what Ted Bundy did. Yeah, so he, he did it twice. Do that. Yeah, yep. Ted Bundy came out and said, well, hang on. I will give you information Mm -hmm. if you give me another week, another month, whatever. And they did. And eventually the judge said, no, this is the day. We're not changing it it anymore. That's it. But a lot of information came out. He was able to basically stay on death row a lot longer than anticipated Mm -hmm. because of the information he was revealing. Yeah. If you have any information about the disappearance of Brandy Myers or the murder of Adrian Salinas, please call the Phoenix, Arizona Police Department at 602-495-5009. As always, thank you for listening to Crime Connections. If you so kindly would please follow, share, and go like us on Facebook at Crime Connections or follow us on Instagram at Crime Connections Pod. You can also join in on the discussion of these cases at our new discussion Facebook page, Crime Connections Podcast Discussion Board. If you have any news, tips, or cases you want us to look into, please feel free to email or DM us. We love hearing from you guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.